welcome back to another episode of the Shups and Preds podcast. We have just completed the 2021 Canadian Football League season. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers were victorious over the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the 108th Grey Cup. And to celebrate, we've got four strong this week, as it should be. Myself, John, Matt, Tyler, Peter. Yo, boys, how are we? I mean, really, yeah. really good. Hell yeah, of a, I mean, hell, of a se- <laughs> hell of a season. Cloud nine, man. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Ten days until Christmas. That's the worst time of the year. The CFL season's over. Yes, but <laughs> we are still in celebration mode. I know, but it's gonna really, it's gonna post post New Year. It's gonna really hit. That we have, we have no CFL. It's gonna it's gonna hit. Early prediction. I think the CFL off season is gonna give us plenty to talk about. Oh yeah. But we're gonna get into the Grey Cup game. We're going to talk what went right, what was our biggest takeaways, what were the most exciting moments. At the end of the day, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers won in overtime by a score of 33-25. to um, And I, I don't want to steal the thunder from anybody, so we're just going to get right into it, go to the panel. We'll start with Matt. Matt, tell me what you got. What was your biggest takeaway from the Grey Cup game? Uh this was a, a great game. Um, I think, except we talked about what would it take for Hamilton to win, and oh. we said they didn't all have to be perfect, but everyone had to be firing, and I think they really did, although um, I think what ultimately sunk the Tiger Cats was that they weren't all firing um, at the same time. So Don Jackson really came on strong, um, kept them in the game at the end, like nearly won them the game yes um and obviously jeremiah masoli played really well but to have dane evans start the game slow and then go out injured and have to make that transition um that was a challenge uh the defense played great all game but it really i I think it came true what we said that in order to beat this winnipeg team you have to have every facet of your game firing the whole game yep and uh and hamilton almost did they obviously took it to overtime they were this close and uh, it just wasn't enough this is just a really strong winnipeg team that could you know have their star quarterback mop have one of his worst games in the past few months and uh, and still win a gray cup against a strong hamilton team yeah no i think that they because they had the turnovers they, you know, they had the offense, they had the pressure on the quarterback, but yeah, I mean, that's put perfectly. It just didn't come together all at once, which is difficult. Absolutely. T Press, what about yourself? What did you find interesting, noteworthy? Well, first of all, even when even when Saskatchewan isn't playing, the magic of mosaic is is always in play. Now, tell this me how just... you how does this make sense? How does the magic of mosaic translate to uh, Tim Hortons Field? I'm excited. I, I thought, I thought this is what he was getting after. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to believe it. I like it though. T Press, what you got? Hello. I, th- I think he's. I think Tyler thought it was at Mosaic. No. <laughs> no. 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 It's not so. It's not so. 
It's not no. so. All right, all right. My biggest takeaway no. from this game. Tyler. My Tyler. biggest takeaway from this game is T. Press contemplates his uh, what he's gonna go with. Uh, Mike, how my... is that even possible? No, 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 no. Honestly, Tyler, it's not a thing. You, it didn't happen. Don't worry about it. Let me say this though. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers were wildly unprepared for Jeremiah Masoli. Obviously, <laughs> given that they thought Dane, Dane Evans was starting, but uh, for Logically. a team, that, yes, right. But for a team that has run a two quarterback system at any given moment, it was weird to see Winnipeg unable to adjust to Masoli's running ability, um, and just how the offense runs a little bit differently when he's a quarterback. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Obviously. Masoli, I wanted, I kind of wanted that one for him. That was, uh, kind of quite, quite, I know, I know I'm toning <laughs> it down for the pod, but, uh, that, I mean, just a great showing, uh, com- caught Winnipeg completely off guard. Yeah. Uh, not, not thanks to anything. Unfortunately, Dane Evans, uh, injured neck. Uh, I think it was, yeah, there was a neck. So we hope he heals up. He's obviously got a big free agent campaign ahead of him. Yes, I want to so, slide but, in here because yeah, I'm not afraid of being biased. And <laughs> like we said last week, this is a shout-out pod, not a call-out pod. Jeremiah Masoli, who was benched, embarrassingly, some might say, in the Eastern Final and never wavered in his support of his teammates, he shows up in the Grey Cup. And I hate that it ended on his interception, but he played an exceptional game of football. He put them in a position to win. That third down completion on their game-tying drive to Acklin, he he was under pressure. He was making the plays. It was epic all around. So close. Um, And I just loved everything about it. I know, I think, in the season of me always backing the good loss... It's fitting that my biggest takeaway from the Grey Cup is Jeremiah Masoli uh, made me very happy and very excited watching the entire game. It was a great loss. It was a great loss for the Unbelievable Hamilton Tiger loss. The most, just, important, uh... the most important thing that happened in this game, though, was that it didn't become a slop fest because, if, I will not going to lie, after the first quarter, I wasn't so sure. Yes. And I wasn't so sure even for the most of the second quarter when it was seven nothing Hamilton, but there still had not been a, yes. a not been a major. So I was thinking, oh no, are we are we are we going to get like a thir- a thirteen to three Winnipeg win or something really just gross like that to end the season? But the second half just delivered so much entertainment. It's just fantastic oh, stuff. It was the the Zach Caleros turnovers were just incredible and i think like i can't be the only one who watching it was like oh it's all crumbling (laughs) i like i have been set on this pod so it's no surprise i think a few of us have that we are we were very skeptic skeptic of skeptical of zach caleros when he came i know that was a tough one to get out when he came back to winnipeg uh at, at the end of the 2019 season um and for that Grey Cup run, he didn't have to have exceptional games. And he didn't really. He, he played fine. He game-managed. But Chris Streveler, Andrew Harris uh, really led the way. And so this season was such a change. He was the man. He was doing it. He had injuries to deal with throughout the team. He, had, uh, he basically was just running the show. He's the MOP. 
and then you have this happening in the Grey Cup. And I know I texted you guys, and I'm thinking to myself, it's like, wow, this is not a good time for him to be playing like the player I thought he was. This is not a good time for, in my, my most biased and most uh, ungenerous opinion, the real Zach Caleros. But he reined it in and got the job done. Uh, and that is why he ended up being uh, the game's MVP. Um, although some have said it may, it sh- probably should have gone to Sergio Castillo, who was 5-for-5 five five on field goals in a, in a horrible wind. wind. Uh, but... Yeah, it was. It had a little bit of everything in that second half, and it was drama, and it was just all. I will say, if I'm Nick Dembski, yes, I'm furious at Caleros. Why? Because every time there was a target to Dembski, it was either underthrown (laughs) or behind the line of scrimmage. Well, well, dude, (laughs) Dembski has some. Obviously, had the great touchdown. Dembski has a great touchdown. Great stat line: two rushes for negative one yards. He has one catch for 29 yards, and then the other three catches went for a combined negative two yards. Yes, it was unbelievable. I was like, and the, the cornerbacks were just cracking down the every time on the screen. I know they won, like, but the, he, he had Nick. one he had one positive play and, and five negative plays. And the positive won, play was uh, the touchdown, right? And he won most outstanding Canadian. So there you go. Unbelievable. I mean, he he did play a very good game. I uh, I'm sure he thought he could have had a bit more. Maybe uh. We mu- we must Best. shout out the Hamilton O line because they only allow three sacks, which was which for them to be in the game was a requirement that they that they kept that Absolutely. kept the quarterback at, at least you know from getting s- slaughtered. Uh, yeah. They yes the injury the star positions yes. did not necessarily um, all shine. I think it was both defenses played really really good. Both, uh, both offensive lines yeah. played really well. Um, and then you know nothing super flashy from. Well, there there are a couple great catches uh, for the Winnipeg receivers, but they just shared the love. They have a ton of yes. um, targets, and they all showed up to play. Uh, they caught you know some. Uh, Rashid Bailey caught all of his balls. Darvin Adams caught five out of seven. Volatarski four out of five. Lawler three out of five. Dembski uh, had some <laughs> had some challenges as we've discussed, yes. but. Um, just a, yeah, when just it, a, when a it, solid game when it mattered. Winnipeg. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean... I, the Don, the Dar- Don Jackson, Dar- using uh, Don Jackson as a receiver was was also big ups to Hamilton. I think teams started to get it at the end, by the end of the season, John. I think I think they started to get what we've been saying for the, months. Well, your boys, Tyler, the, the boys from Mosaic. I mean, they had been using uh, William Powell more as a, yes. you know, a, a short yardage... Um, screen pass receiver than they had maybe even as a running back it was the screen pass was the most underutilized gat tool this entire cfl season there's no doubt about that i need i need to see more of it next season i need to see more of it lines absolutely ran wild on these squads uh and very many uh, very many offenses uh, were hesitant to uh, incorporate the running back early. Um, in my opinion, Hamilton should have utilized Sean Thomas Erlington in that uh, fact, in that way. Um, I don't know why he ended the game uh, with zero offensive touches. I predicted he would be the MUP, most underutilized player, uh, and in fact he was. Uh, second, 
<laughs> only were, you know, second to him were my boys, Brady Oliveira and uh, Johnny Augustine, who also received zero offensive touches. Um, so if there was one frustrating thing, my takeaway, my frustrating takeaway is that the backup running backs in this league, this is the, I will beat this into the ground. The fact that no teams run like two running back systems drives me absolutely bonkers. The fact that Brady Oliver and Johnny Augustine, who all played well when they had like even a second to get on the field this year, had zero touches in this game is asinine. It is absolutely asinine. And I just can't stand it. I can't live with it. We didn't bring it up last week, but yeah. So Andrew Harris came back, and your—I don't know if you said it on the podcast or you tweeted it—but you said that your hope is that even with Andrew Harris back, yeah. um, the Bombers didn't move away from their two running back system, and now they're Grey Cup champions. So how how do you feel about it now? I feel angry. <laughs> I feel angry, man. First of all, Andrew Harris could have used a break. On Sunday, he was only averaging 4.4 yards per carry, which uh, he could have had a little bit more than that, in my opinion. Um, his season average was 5.4 yards per carry, so a whole yard less. John, now I know Hamilton, is, toughest is, running defense in the league. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but give Brady a crack and see what he can do. Come on, man. It's not that hard. But anyway, that's that's just my own personal gripe. We could talk all day about that. They mightn't have needed that comeback if they had done that the whole game. And then let's talk about I I honestly in an odd way I think it's overshadowed because it ended the game and won the Grey Cup, so there was like a finality to it, but the final play itself was such an incredible interception. <laughs> the Winston Rose scooping that up and tossing it up uh, for the pick to be made was such an absolutely incredible play. Um, let's, I mean, it was heartbreaking on some levels because I even though it was kind of, with after that holding call to kick off Hamilton's overtime possession, I felt like it was over right then and there. They weren't going to go 20 yards no. uh, to, to get it. And so that was sad. But that interception uh, by uh, Kyrie Wilson was truly incredible. Yeah. Uh, you, you bring up a, an interesting thing outside, so I, I'd like to get to that. Not yes. let the uh, Hamilton penalties get away from us. But, Oof. yeah, um, the whole uh, – Go into it now. Oh, I'm fine with that. The whole overtime was, was just an incredible um, – just the, the fourth quarter and overtime – for both teams was amazing. Yes. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think every time – let's see, what's the actual – yeah, so Hamilton, eight penalties for um, 65 yards. The offense, three penalties, 35 yards. Yes. And then a number of – and this is a, a, just a factor of the wind, but the, you know, three no yards um, – penalties on Hamilton yeah. uh, for uh, for punt returns. And, and part of it's because uh, kicking into the wind, I mean, that's a <laughs> – you can't get further away from the guy because you're basically at the line of scrimmage. Um, but so a number of no yards uh, that just helped Winnipeg with um, field position and then um, a number of, like, I think in that final fourth quarter, I think there were at least um, – 
two offsides. That one yep. that gave uh, Winnipeg a first down and one that moved Winnipeg from, I believe, second and six to, or sorry, third and six to third and one, um, which they then converted, um, if I'm remembering correctly. But definitely that there was um, little things, and, and I, I think that's really what ultimately you know, ended the game in Winnipeg's favor. Yeah enough you know usually you don't want to blame it on one thing you don't want to say it was the receivers it was the quarterback whatever but you know there were enough penalties um that you really think okay that is enough to tip the scales as you spoke to in in such a tight game yes as you spoke to in your opening point in a game where hamilton had to have a confluence of things to come right for them penalties can negate some of those things becoming right for them so it cancels out you know, if you're having great turnovers, <laughs> you're playing offense, but then you're also having penalties, uh, that, that makes it tough to win the game. Sure. Now, do we want to talk about the big elephant in the room? Yeah, depending on what it is. All right, it is Hamilton taking the single. Oh, it was oh, I. Final drive. Mike O'Shea said it, and he's right. It was about <laughs> field position. What, are you going to start the drive on your own, what I mean, realistically, how, where do you think Tim White could have taken the ball to? The 15 before he gets hit? So, I, knowing that he's starting at the goal line from basically standing, yeah. the nearest Winnipeg player was at the 40 at, at, at the closest. Yeah. I think it was a good decision. I'm with John here. It's, it's, that's retrospective to, mm-hmm. to say it was a bad decision. Peter, it's your turn. You gotta, you gotta take the contrarian view. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a fine move. What are you gonna? No, <laughs> just, just play it, play it safe. Do the. If you had told Hamilton pregame, hey, you, you could get to overtime in this game. They, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, you're in, you're in that position. Don't, don't put it all to ruin. Now, if they really, if they really, really like, if they really wanted to put their nuts on the table, they, they oh. should. It could have. They could have tried to win it on the last play of the game instead of kicking the field goal. I mean, it's it's it's. They were pretty close. I mean, it's a huge end zone. You 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 could have. It could have. I mean, that would have been. Oh, that would have just one play. Just one play. Either either win it or yeah. win it. Walk off or lose. I do that. I mean, that could have been. It, that would have been a lot of pressure on Winnipeg. I, I don't know. Could have could have worked. I mean, again, it's, it's only retrospective call. though. The first play call of when they got goal to go and they did the Don Jackson run, that was surprising. I would have thought they would have run some pass route with multiple levels, rolling yeah, out Jeremiah Solis to the wide side. That's their strength. That's the strength of their side. offense. Uh, Jalen I would have done that something. a lot of the plays for Hamilton. No, some... but that's I. I was and then but even the play to Acklin, I think Masoli was keyed in on Acklin for that route, throwing it to an area of the field where if it's incomplete you think that nobody else has a shot about shot at it so i would i will say i was surprised that they didn't run a rollout type of play multiple levels uh maybe give masoli the option to run if it opens up uh somewhere when they in one of those plays when they got goal to go um but plus cody's not playing so it's not like you're gonna throw it (laughs) it's not like you're gonna throw it into the upright or anything like that He's your favorite player. I just get, oh come on, it was a dude. He would laugh at that one. Come on, he's he's, <laughs> he's the only player I could, th- the only quarterback I can think of that's done it twice in a very. Listen, sh- when, when we talk all SNP, there, there's some 
quarterbacks who have led their team to two straight division finals, and and, and we'll definitely be talking about them. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, guys, um, now that the season is over and it was kind of obvious that Winnipeg was going to win all along. Did but you, you say see, that I, respect, right? There no, was, no there, so that's – yeah. Hold up, because I'm asking a question. I was like, did you feel at any time watching the game that, like, I don't know, I honestly felt so bad for Winnipeg at certain times. Like, it's a game affected by the wind, and then you have Caleros kind of having just a a freak out. And I was like, God, they put in all this time and effort, and they've been the only consistently really good team and it's just going to blow it in the final step. Did you feel any sort of sadness for Winnipeg at any time during that game, or was it all happiness? No, when they Hamilton? were when they were losing going into the third. Yeah, I was like, oh man, dude, I was feeling that, bad. Like, even I even was like, even, this is St- this Stephen is like Dunbar. I totally totally yeah. flipped. Where like before the game, I was like, all right, you know, probably want Hamilton to to win this one, big upset. And then it got down to it, and I was like, yeah, I, I don't want that. Uh, I would I would have a hard time stomaching uh, just looking at the Winnipeg players being like, <laughs> like you oh, tell yourself no. all year don't get overconfident, don't don't take <laughs> was, a day off, and then that, bam. That's that, that, that when that safety happened. I was thinking when it was nineteen to ten. I'm thinking oh oh yeah, and oh, you well uh, you were yeah I get I ca- I started I counted my chickens there. I'm not gonna lie. I really thought that nineteen. That, that, <laughs> Also, I told also, you guys though, you had, gotta get your points in before the fourth. There had to be a safety in this game, didn't there? This season, with with how many there were this season, there just had to be one in the Grey Cup. They just could not have a Grey Cup without a safety. Um, Who was closest on score projection? Because I believe I had thirty three correct. I was really close, and then I wasn't. I got <laughs> I had thirty three to nineteen, so. Uh, I had twenty eight, twenty two, which is really close. I don't remember. Is it on the pre? I have to look. Is on the pred sheet. I'm pulling it up. So I was I eight was not points. Close. I was eight points Peter off. Peter and I, I think, were the two closest. Peter, I'm, I, I was. Only... I guess I was feeling I was good six. going into like the second half. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but then they decided <laughs> so, to wake up. Uh, Peter thirty one twenty one. Tyler thirty three nineteen. Ooh. So two of you guys kind of split the difference there. Yeah, I'll take. I, I like getting one of the numbers correct. That feels nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just good at predictions, you know. When yeah, for Hamil- this, when yeah, Winnipeg I, I, was driving, if they had scored a touchdown, I would have had my prediction because it was twenty. And I was like, <laughs> "You've got to be kidding me!" I was, I was. That would have made it. I was like, "Well, I want Hamilton to win, but if I can get the pred absolutely right, then I will be happy." But here's a note I wanted to bring up. This is from Drew Edwards, um, who's a writer uh, from Guelph. He says that his rough estimate, 40 of the 48 starters in the Grey Cup are free agents next season. <laughs> what a mess. What 40 an a- of the 48. What an absolute mess. Can you, so be, that can you includes, imagine having to negotiate with that many agents over the offseason? Oh, and I, th- that includes those. And now imagine like, you don't have a general manager. Oh, Ooh. is that funny? Hey, what team signed <laughs> what team signed Aaron Grimes today to an extension? Oh yeah, that's right, the Edmonton Elks, taking care of the players that are culture <laughs> extend fit. extend we'll the playoff it. drought. Oh, oh, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I come on here and do nothing. 
and you guys just have to take shots at the team. That's classless. Absolutely classless. No. But that is, I mean, that is crazy to think we watch such a good game and the teams are going to be like nothing like they are next season. God, I think we need it though, right? Like I, I don't, I can't, I can't do another Winnipeg roster turn. We need rosters to stay the same year over year. It does create good rivalries. That's that's a good point. That's what I. Like, that's we, what, that's it, my. That's my biggest thing is that it, you know when the players just move around so much, then there's no, there's nothing. It's no, it creates good rivalries. Well, like, it creates Tyler, better play a... together. It creates better chemistry. Like how much yeah. better do you think give? Kleros another season with Lawler, Wolitarski, Bailey. Like they're only gonna get better. That having... Darrell Walker. Signed Darrell Walker. <laughs> like having to mix it up every year. And also like it's I know this is gonna be the big talking point all year, all off season I should say. But like Is this your biggest many... is this your biggest story? Are we are we pivoting here? I can pivot and I yeah, can let's just pivot. Kick it I think, off I think right we're now. good. Yeah, I think we should move well, on. So I think of all the things that, you know, Randy, uh, the CFL has said they're going to examine all aspects of the Canadian game this offseason, which means so many different things. Um, but for me, the thing that they need to examine is getting these guys locked into longer contracts. Because I was thinking about this today. How many players today, you're buying a Christmas gift. How many players would you feel comfortable getting their name and number on a jersey and paying for that? One. Like Cody Fajardo is Cody the only Fajardo. player. <laughs> <laughs> the, Cody Fajardo is the only player. Ed, I Ed, 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 I'd get an I'd get an Ed Gainey jersey. Ed Gainey's a boss. No, not that's not what I'm saying. No, getting them. Not oh, about, oh. Not about would, would you prepay for their jersey? For next year, I'm, yeah, oh, it's not it. saying no. There are a bunch of players who I want and who I think, oh, I would love to have their gear. But it's more about I have no idea where they're going to be playing, not even just this year, but the year after that. And like, at least in you know the NFL, you get a player, he signs a four-year contract. Now nothing's written in stone, but you say, okay, I have confidence that he'll be here. In the CFL, you have no confidence who's going to be on your favorite team the next year. And that can be very tough. And so that is my storyline, is if they can find some way to correct that. They're wigging out about offensive production. I think you kill two birds, you get two birds stoned at once. You have better continuity on offense, which leads to more scoring. Plus, you get more fan engagement because you have them buy into the players on their team because they believe they're going to be there next season. So for me... That is my number one storyline. How do you get rosters to be have less turnover year after year? How much do you think um, roster turnover has to do with the fact that it's primarily a com- a commuter league, if you will, where a lot of these guys are living stateside yep. and they're only going up and and, and renting a condo? Uh, maybe I don't. I'm, I'm assuming you know there are guys renting the, a, a the couple league just the league just needs together. to make more money to pay the players more money. That's the only answer. That would be a great. Yes, maybe get right, get right, get right. Well, right not on like that, that, but it came up in um, three down, three downs, um, whatever their their anonymous talk thing is. It's like 
with the coaches cap right now. Yes. Um, coaches don't want to come up to Canada. You're going to come up here. You're going to you're paying for your wife and kids probably to because they're in school, so they're down in the states, um, and then you're up for part of the year. And you know, I knew somebody in college who whose dad was a, a baseball coach, and so that was part of their life, right? That they, you know. At, at spring training, dad would go off and, and he's in baseball season. But um, you know, MLB coaching contracts are a little more lucrative than yes. CFL assistant contracts, especially now with a coach's cap. So and I, I know that the uh, um, the players are feeling that too. Well, no, I, I – yeah, it's they're going to have to – I know they're talking about uh, instituting a revenue-sharing model. Um which, is which I think not, is instituted. No, there is. Has it already? It's been instituted. Yeah. I th- okay. I thought the, the teams voted yes. Okay. On then that. they vote. Yeah. Which, I know, like people are up in arms because MLSC, who owns the Argonauts, has so much money, and yet they'll be getting revenue from the te- You know, the fan-owned Rough Riders. That's the example that gets tossed around a lot. But, and I know that that is a tough pill to swallow, no doubt about it, but I think that is something that's going to benefit the league long term. Um, I think revenue sharing, if you look at the pro sports leagues um, in the United States, has done nothing but benefit everybody involved. And so I hope maybe that's one of the pieces uh, that gets the ball rolling um, in getting getting these teams to stay together a little bit longer. What about what yeah, about you guys? Huge. What are some other big storylines coming down the pipe? This I mean, summer? the big the biggest one that's going on right now, and we have to discuss it, is this this look into potential rule changes. And yeah, the potential. Obviously, we have to discuss. We it. have to discuss. It's okay. I think absolute horseshit. It's it's absolute horseshit, and I will say this: this is Not how happening. I think I think it's a sport that you guys don't like, but that I like. But I, I, I do feel this way about baseball sometimes, and I think you guys have... Like, I, don't, I don't, I don't but, like baseball. You don't, but don't but like but when you like, like when baseball, you, good call, Matt. But I, but I, I don't like when the when they're they they've changed a few things in baseball, and they're considering changing more robot umpires and stuff, and yes. it and it frustrates me as a fan of of that sport because you know I like the sport, and it's just, they're trying it's to insulting. Enti- they're trying. It's, it's insulting to me, and it's insulting to other people that like the sport. But to try to pa- to try to pander to, to some uh, imagined re- new audience to get some new revenue stream that they think is going to happen, and in the CFL, especially after how good of a Grey Cup we just got and how well it apparently uh, the the TV numbers were down, but the streaming numbers were way way up seventy five percent over two thousand nineteen. Uh, fantastic stuff. I mean, it's well, just let me the tell way you that, something. So, well, I, was, so I, was, I was I was watching this Grey Cup with my roommates. Yes. They were loving it. Yeah, they were they loving were. it. It's entertaining. No, Tyler, I think your I, point I, I think... is insulting to say that, yeah, we're going to review. You, you say this to a fan base who watches these three-down games week over week and is certainly, in my case, attracted to the league because it has a different flavor and a different style. And you're watching that final drive for Hamilton. At any point during that drive, did you say, man, I wish they had – four downs to make this less dramatic only the part of me that wanted them to win but no other yeah. part, no other part no, i'm yeah. watching that and it's like this is all like anything can happen it. anything can and and it's, no it's, i think that is so brilliant that it is insulting well i think baseball is probably a good example because the reason that mlb fell behind is that 
MLB Network got greedy and locked down all of the uh, highlights. And they yeah. didn't allow yeah. House of Highlights or any of these um, even, independent even uh, worse. Twitter even worse. and Instagram could, accounts to post highlights. You they had to go watch, to official channels. Couldn't watch local yeah. games. Couldn't couldn't stream. If I I could if you bought their TV thing, you, I could not stream the Red Sox in Boston. You could not stream the Mariners in Washington. That just changed this year. So it was all. It was yes. Sorry. It, no, yeah, that's... and I and I, I don't think I think the CFL has done a really good job leveraging um, each of the individual teams have a strong social media and video presence. Um, I think TSN has been a really crappy partner for the CFL, and so yeah. um, put taking so just throughout the the year, you know, you see things like TSN posts a uh, Twitter post about how. Um, Ottawa teams can now, or no, sorry, Ontario teams can now, um, you know, have full fan participation at the games, and they post logos of uh, the Maple Leafs, the the Blue Jays, and the Senators. And it's like, okay, guys, this, what's going on here? Um, uh, and then you know, it also the nice thing about the rules change, it pivots away from the stuff the league has done, like. CFL 2.0, like the XFL talks, which is really what's driving, like, um, not driving fan disappointment, but it's it's not engaging fans. Like, uh, CFL fans do not want to watch four down football. Like we, uh, and it's it's no. it's thinking. Can I piggyback that, on that real quick? Yeah, of course. So to prove that point, so somebody, I apologize for not crediting you, but somebody tweeted in recent years. The NFL has grown in popularity in Canada. The college football stateside has not. So it's not that people are clamoring for four-down football. They're clamoring for the glitz and glamour of the National Football League. And so, yes, there's, there is, I don't think there is this great hunger for another four-down league. Yeah. And I also, I, mean, I also think that the CFL will not succeed as a four-down league because... There have been and there will be attempts at a NFL junior, and they've all failed. And that's one thing the CFL has going for it is, is yes, it is in some ways a not quite farm league, but, no, it, but it, you know the best CFL players go play NFL, and that's fine. But it's in no way a like feeder league in the no. way that the AFL... The USFL, AAA, the XFL one, AA. the XFL two. Well, but, but well, yes, even here, then, it's here. like the, not, not taking the, the baseball model, but just taking what we've seen in um, in U.S. four down football is that all of the leagues yeah. are feeder leagues, and the, the NFL, people go to play there to get to the NFL. The NFL has a government funded feeder league. It's called the NCAA. <laughs> They don't need another professional league. Okay? Right. That is why the CFL stands alone in its identity. Now, you come out here, you ball out, and you can get a shot in the NFL. And that's a great part of it, to give these guys an opportunity to maybe reach that dream. And also, it benefits the CFL because you come in and you ball out. Maybe you're Duke Williams. You play well for Edmonton. You get a shot. But then you're like, all right, it's back to the CFL where I can, again, impact uh, playoff games. Or maybe you're just you're just Brandon career. Zilstra, and you just, like, you know, you show up every few games and just dominate NFL secondaries. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But but the CFL is, that is not, yeah, 
it's not branded as such. I think that's so, it's huge. It's a, it's a, a different it's a it's a differentiator. It's a different. Yes. It's something else. If, if, if to Matt's point, if all you're offering is this a, a watered down version of what the NFL has, you you are not going to have the level of interest that you have. You're going to lose. You first of all, you're going to alienate your fan base that actually watches your product, and you're not going to bring in new fans. So, so what's the point? It's it's. I feel like we've almost belabored how stupid this is. Um, oh, it's the <laughs> dumbest thing in the world. Well, I think we all yeah. would like to see loyalty rewarded rather than than changed. Okay, that's a good yeah. that's a good pivot there. Loyalty rewarded. Let's talk Hamilton in terms of off-season storylines. <laughs> they've already I like that. they've already come out and said that they cannot afford to keep both quarterbacks. But yes. what does it mean? What do Personally, we what do we think with Dane's injury history? I'm I I has got injury history. I it's just I don't know. Masoli's the healthiest. We've got a, I, a great band once said, we've got a whole lot of history. Do you know who that Is was? Is that One Direction? It was One Direction. Wonderful. Let's go. <laughs> uh, no, no I, think, I think the Tiger Cats um, should go with Masoli. Um, of course. As, as a, maybe a bit biased, um, <laughs> but as we saw, as we saw in this Grey Cup game and throughout the whole season, Masoli has the ability to get out of the pocket. Yes. He has, and Dane Evans simply doesn't. And for a team that I would say, I mean, all CFL teams prefer prefer the pass, um, but for a team that relies heavily on their passing game, having a quarterback that can run as well adds another dimension that one, Dane one, Evans quite can't offer. One thing here. Dane Evans is also five years younger than Jeremiah Masoli. And it's not like Jeremiah Masoli is going to be faster when he turns 34 next year. That is something I've talked about, and I can agree with you. That being said, though, it's Jeremiah Masoli. So if it's, if it's your long-term solution, if, 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 you're, if you're picking based on who's going to, who long-term is going to be the quarterback, the fact that Dane Evans is five years younger should weigh, to me, heavily into that decision. I think it's going to be Dane Evans. I, now, I don't know the extent of his neck injury. But I think if they're going to to commit long term to one of them, I think it's going to be Dane. I if, is it, if, is if it it's just between that's... those two, I would agree. But I would say like I mean, so Jeremiah, Dane, Jake Vern. Mayer, Zach Calero, Jake Mayer is, is such McLeod, a Bethel Thompson. Vern. Just those five right there are all free agents. Jake Mayer is going to be a star wherever he goes. Just book just uh, but so. Book like, that one. Th- listen, we you think it's going to be one of them. It would make sense to be one of them, um, but it could be you know something out of the box. That being said, if I'm being, unbiased, it's either going to be those guys or it will be somebody else. This is called the Kenzano <laughs> take. <laughs> if I'm being unbiased, I think they will go with Dane Evans. Um, but if you're I, being biased. But if I'm well, but it's it's actually it's if actually selfish. GM. It's actually selfish. Yes. They pick Dane Evans, and Jeremiah Masoli goes to Edmonton. Yeah, they have three <laughs> quarterbacks under contract. They can cut them. They can't. Can they just Nothing. swallow that cap space? Okay. Listen, was it perfectly <laughs> thought out? No. <laughs> No, but I think I think of the it's two, my think... feeling that whoever does not get picked up by um, 
by Hamilton is going to be the starting quarterback in Ottawa next season. I think that makes a lot of sense. You're talking sense here. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think, but I, I do think if they were to pick today, they would pick Dane Evans. Sadly. Yeah, I, I also I also think that Masoli, he's probably cheaper. Oh yeah, Jeremiah Masoli just lost him a great. Time. <laughs> I I I, I also <laughs> mean we love you, Jeremiah. I, I also no. think I also think Jeremiah Masoli might might even. Mm, if he's not feeling that they're gonna, because he's already, I think, felt a little bit uh, slighted uh, over his course of his tenure there. You know, if he feels like Ottawa offers him the best chance to be the guy and be sort of the unquestioned quarterback, I, I think he might also want to go. If if it means that he doesn't wow. have to constantly look over his shoulder. Jeez. I I hear what you're saying, but we like... want, I want I want Jeremiah Masoli to be playing. Also, just CFL about, football. I don't. I don't want to see him on a bench. I, I respect the players for the Ottawa Red Blacks, but you are take and they, they're going to be a completely different team next year, so it doesn't actually matter. The current construct of the Ottawa Red Red Blacks would be a significant step down in terms of the talent you're playing with offensively compared to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. But that's one of the benefits of CFL free agency, is that Ottawa. Uh, is going to look nothing like the Ottawa of 2021 when they take the field next year. <laughs> so it's going to be a whole new game. Are you, did you just pred uh, Ottawa's Grey Cup champs in 2022? No, but I am predding the Edmonton versus Ottawa in the Grey Cup Edmonton victory. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's I'm going to go put that down on... I'm going to do some single-game betting. Oh, great. So, okay, while we're still on the topic and we're not, or we're too, not too far away from the four-down topic... Somebody on our sla- the CFL subreddit <laughs> yes. said that the f- move to four downs is all about single game betting and gambling on CFL games, oh. as the four down game is more predictable. So this is their like consp- this is their big conspiracy theory, and I read that and was so convinced. I was like, "Yep, yeah, all right, that makes sense. Damn it." <laughs> I mean, and, for this, you would have to assume that, like, corporations and casinos are just going to, you know, chase profit no matter what and no matter who it hurts. And so, and that's more of a leap than I'm willing to take. But maybe you guys are a little more well, gullible. But, so, no. It's, no, I man. Just, I hate, hate I've, sports I've betting being involved. I know. Matt, no, 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 Matt is, <laughs> he's, jo- he's joking. I got the, Matt, I got I the joke. No, so, okay. But this is the thing, though, about sports gambling, though. I want to find this tweet from the uh, guy I cite often on the pod, uh, Danny Austin, who is oh, yeah. a beat writer for the Calgary Stampeders. So he said, this is, uh, I think, either the Friday or Saturday night before the Grey Cup. He said, I will never cover gambling. My conversations with people at Grey Cup only make it more obvious what a money grab it is. Immoral without accountability. The fact that he took time to tweet that tells me that there is an awful lot of conversations about gambling going on at these big CFL get-togethers. Um, so it's coming, and if they well, are... it's it's Bell is telling Randy yeah. that you know their contract is going to because Bell is in bed with the casinos. Bet ninety-nine. So, okay, if or we're whatever. not if we're not if we're not talking about gambling. Because that's driving fan engagement. Yeah. Never mind if that's really true or not, or if you just, or if it's a good thing. Like, is it good to drive fan engagement by having them wager their paycheck on a, a kids game? 
Yep. No, well, I, that's the I'm thing. Get like, a little heated here. You, this is this is no, this, this is, is the topic. Well, I hate <laughs> that gets I hate me gambling. A little hot behind the ears. No, well, because the thing with gambling, and I was I because I is you'll always have the people go, oh, well, you wouldn't want that tax revenue. Listen, don't try to be looking this <laughs> at this as you. So you want gambling because of it's the good of the state. It's the good. It's going to be good for the taxpayers. Shut your mouth. It's about the revenue of people who can create their content talking about gambling. That is Truly. what they want. It's about people <laughs> who, who have might podcasts. You, who might you be saying? I don't know. Some, listen, there's companies like Bodog Canada. They've partnered with some podcasts. And they'll talk about things like they'll, they'll put out clips. Sure, sure, podcasts. sure. We'll do, we'll do gambling, but we're only going to do money line picks. Yeah, but there are some. There are <laughs> we're, some just go, we're, we're, going, we're going to predict the winner of the game. Some have but called there, it Preds. Listen, <laughs> there's a reason, but there are, pe- there are podcasts who will talk about free agency. And instead of saying, I think Dane Evans is going to go to Hamilton, they'll say, Dane Evans' odds to go to H- Hamilton are looking really good. That's who I put my money down on. And that just mm. is so ridiculous. Mm. And it's clearly steer- trying to just sucker people. It's predatory and it is... It is clearly... As, it's immoral without accountability. Yes, as our friend Danny Austin said, it is immoral without accountability. Anyway, that's <laughs> all, right, all I got to say. Pivot. My storyline of the offseason is, will all of the free agents be signed by the time Edmonton puts together a front office? Mm, possibly. It seems like, obviously, uh, it was tweeted out today that... Um, no, I don't want to get his name right. Because uh, I looked it up today, but it's the VP of uh, Player Development. Oh, who's handling all the signings? Who's handling it? Yes. That is the. Um, oh hell! I just saw it. Oh, sorry. No, the director of football operations, Chris Hagerman, is, uh, and they do have an assistant GM. Bobby Merritt is in. Uh, is is installed right now? But I mean, to not have a president a vp of football operations and a gm um as free agency begins is very now i will say that edmonton does not have a ton of players that they need to lock up and so they obviously aaron grimes they locked up uh today and they have you know sir vincent rogers uh and they have a couple guys they need to lock up um but they just how, how for whatever reason it worked out that they don't have a ton of free agents right now but um seems like you know you wouldn't want to let <laughs> some good players get away well uh, to talk, other teams yes but i think that that for the gm search i think you're gonna see there's a lot of talk around this you're gonna see edmonton double dip with their head coach gm yes now chris jones has been the lead candidate for that it's a position he's held before uh with the Rough Riders most recently. But also there's the rumor, I'm sure you've seen this, that they're going to throw some cash at Mike O'Shea of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to come to Edmonton and be GM head coach there. You are just you are just pie in the sky with Edmonton, aren't you? Like everyone wants to sign there and go there. I, the 2022 <laughs> CFL season started when Jeremiah Masoli was intercepted on Sunday. Oh. So yeah, I'm looking forward to an Edmonton winning 2020 campaign. This is all... There's, 2020 there's campaign, no, yeah. 2022. There's no rear view. 
I'm looking all ahead, and this is future time. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, and and but I, I the, think they're going to double the, dip on that front. I think they will get it done before the middle of January. About, they will have a GM. Like, it, it's going on right now. Yeah, I get that, but they. I know, but it's not like the official free. Like, there you right, can right, re-sign right. players who are under contract. Yes. You are the free agent period has not began, or begun. Yes. They will get their GM Officially. and head coach taken care of by the middle of January, and it'll be smooth sailing. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, and they've I've, hopefully that we see a couple uh, re-signs: uh, Greg Ellingson, Darrell Walker, James Wilder. Be really good to see those guys back. Like I said, Sir Vincent um, Rogers, but it just makes me nervous. Like these conversations are going on right now between agents and general managers and to be out in the cold for that period it's even though good. it's not official is really it i mean should freak some people out yes. if they were running like a community on football team yes. hypothetically i see what you're saying and i'm gonna <laughs> take it um but i think let's save this for future pods um i think we've left off this uh 2022 campaign on a very good note we had an excellent oh, final so game of the season so i'll tell the fans next week we will be revealing the first ever shups and preds what are we calling it the all snp team all snp yeah all snp this is different than your normal all-star team your normal first team all pro this is a content driven Team. Those are those are those are uh, you know you Gino, have to care Gino, about Gino those. Lewis. Tune in. You you may have made an all star team. Certainly, performance matters. So as a, he did make the actual. Okay, well, one team. one where people as left did, off the as did CFL Jake PA. One that matters. Yes. Yeah, one a that team matters. matters. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we send in. You don't have to send it if you're a fan. Yes, he might make the all SMP team. He it's may possible. Send in your picks it doesn't have to be a full team but if you say this guy was creating excellent content all year maybe it was a jake mayor for creating a quarterback controversy with the best quarterback of the last decade out of nowhere something completely unpredictable (laughs) um maybe it was jeremiah masoli for standing by his guys during the eastern final then coming up and throwing for two touchdowns in the gray cup um, you know, whatever it means to you to be to see a player that produces great content, uh, tell us how you feel, and we will factor that into our decision uh, for the S and P all S and I, I will say this though: if we leave Gino Lewis off, he'll make more content. <laughs> this is, he'll know. He'll know. He'll know. This Gino really is why we're doing this. It, he is a hundred percent why it inspired this decision. So we are excited to do that next week. Guys, do you have any parting shots before we sign off for this episode? Before we end, I want Tyler to confirm or deny that he thought the Grey Cup was in Saskatchewan. <laughs> a C or a D? Oh, also, who won the <laughs> Give us a C, C in the chat, D in the chat. Oh, Tyler, Tyler we nearly missed Tyler your coronation. Is this, if you, is, this Tyler, my, is this my coronation? If you answer Matt's question, we will tell the fans who won the 2021 Shups and Preds predictions pool. 
I I I thought it was a mosaic. I guess it's, it's, a, it's <laughs> that's a okay. That is impossible. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> I could not, dude. So who would think? It, who would think? Who would think it's going to be in Hamilton though? Like the teams playing in the game, and mosaic so much cooler. With how much they mention Hamilton playing at home, I find that you have you have achieved something so incredible. Tim Hortons changed what their we cup all colors. Want. I want so, to be. I want to be so Tyler, as the outside let's, world let's, that I think the Grey Cup is in. With that mosaic. being said, let's sign off this episode. Well, I will say, tell us, tw- tw- let's tw- hype them up. 2022 Grey Cup is an, is I, I think I may have okay. There's a, there's a number of factors. 2022 is in yes. fact in Saskatchewan. The 2020 was supposed to be in Saskatchewan. There's a series of things I read, I think, leading up to this game, and also just some some tweets that confused me. And so I thought I was watching something that I wasn't watching. But Tyler, you weren't you weren't convinced. If you're if you're convinced if you're convinced if you're convinced of something, and and just sort of just generally aloof, like yeah, this can happen. So Matt. Tell us the final well, let's... Uh, Shups and Preds predictions pool standings. Well, we'll start from the bottom. No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> fourth place going 38 for 30 was John. Eight games above 500. In... Many said I wouldn't be there. That's a good point. Uh, in third place going 39 for 29. 39 uh, and, was... tw- and 29. Can't 39 get... and 29 yeah. was Maddie B. Uh, just ahead of me, forty and twenty-eight. Yes, uh, was sir. Peter, and then, way yes. out in the distance, forty-eight and twenty. That's impressive. Forty—that's which is insane. That's it. <laughs> Tyler man. just Tyler promised he would not be in. Was it the bottom two? I did yes. say he said he'd be top of the top of the table. He'd be, he would be in the top two, and he was number one. With a bullet. Wow. So that, that was great. I will, really I, I will, came I will. on. <laughs> Much I like have the Grey Cup, I, we kind of knew who was going to win this predictions pool for a while. But Tyler, <laughs> it's, give the people some words, uh, and then we'll uh, send them on their way. Uh, honestly, before this season, I was so bad at predding. It was was terrible at predding. But I think the the volatility and not just not knowing post-COVID what was actually going to happen left the door open for me. And uh, I was a I was a big contrarian this year, so I would say my advice to the people out there is don't be afraid to bet on yourself. Hell yeah, I love it. All right, guys. Uh, with that being said, DM us at Shups and Preds. Get in uh, those with DMs. Your all S and P teams. Email shupsandpreds at gmail.com. We will be talking to you next week with our uh, team. And uh, with that, I say adieu.